Welcome to Content Etc, a podcast to help you work through the challenges of marketing your creative small business. I'm your host, journalist and copywriter Michelle Gately from Word by Word Storytelling. I want to help you feel really excited about the content marketing process so you can feel confident in it and know that it's not just something else to cross off your to-do list. I'm all about the gentle and sustainable growth, so if you're after quick hacks and one-size-fits-all templates, then this is not the place for you. My mission is to help you create content marketing that's actually interesting, feels and sounds authentic, not just like a sales robot, and has just a little sprinkle of strategic magic. I want to help you feel really great about your content so that you can show your dream clients why you're their perfect match. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to Content Etc. and the latest installment in the SEO mini series. This is a series that I've planned and recorded and put together for while I am away overseas visiting England again for the first time since we moved home and getting married, which I am obviously very excited about. I'm recording this a week out from us leaving and I I just don't know how I'm going to get through the week. I'm so excited. Anyway, we'll get down to we'll get down to business now. So in today's episode, I want to talk you through the anatomy of an SEO blog post. Now, I'm going to be talking about blog posts in particular. A lot of these things relate to all your website pages. It's just that we're going to be talking about blog posts specifically. So this is a series, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, where I've been talking all about SEO. And you'll probably know from listening to those that blogging is a huge part of consistently growing your website SEO, increasing the traffic that you get to your website through organic search like Google. All these techniques are also going to make your website a nicer place to be generally. They're going to make it more reader friendly. They're going to make it easier to navigate and they're going to make your communication clearer with your clients. So for me, the main reason to sort of follow these tips is for that to delight your audience and to make your website a nice place to go for information. And the bonus is that your SEO will be improved and you will see an increase in traffic over time. That for me is just like the cherry on top of making your website a nice readable place to be, which is just a good website design just makes me so happy. And by good website design, I mean one where the words are just laid out in a way that I can read them, you know, everything's nice and user friendly and it's readable. Oh, the best. So anyway, today we're going to be talking about how to make your blog post the sort of place that I want to hang around and read for hours on end and the sort of thing that Google thinks is just great to send people to. If you've missed the first few episodes in the series, the first episode was all about the basics of SEO and we've also looked at how you can take your website Uh, If you've been neglecting your SEO, maybe you used to be really into it and you feel like you've been neglecting it, that was a, a question submitted by a listener. So I answered that question and gave some tips for what you can do right now to get started again and what you can do into the future. Spoiler, one of those things was to consistently blog. Uh, So today we're going to be looking at 
actually what does an SEO-friendly blog post look like so that you can write one yourself. So as I've said many, many times in this series, you do not have to be a tech wizard to write an SEO-friendly blog post and you don't have to spend lots of money on fancy software either. These are really simple things that you can do and they're going to make your website more attractive to Google and more attractive to people, which as I said, is a win-win. The other thing to note is that writing for SEO is not about stripping away your personality. Remember, we're writing for humans. You can bring your personality in in spades, but it's about being clear, helpful, concise, and easy to understand. One other reminder I just want to say before we get into this as well, and I've again said this many times on the podcast, but not everything you write has to be fully optimized for SEO, like I want to rank on page one of Google. Sometimes the value for your audience is in sharing your story, sharing your business values, helping them feel seen, nurturing them. That's absolutely fine. But what I would say is it's important to follow the steps of what is involved in an SEO blog post because it's going to create that better reading experience for everyone. So let's start right at the top. First thing you need to do to jazz up your blog post SEO is have a headline that grabs reader attention and tells them what to expect. So in SEO terms, the headline is also called the title tag. That's what you might see it referred to uh, in other places on the internet. And after your content, I would say it's the most essential part of optimizing your blog post. And actually, it's not just me who says that as well, because other SEO professionals also believe it is one of the most important elements of getting seen on Google. And that's because that title tag, that headline is literally what you click on in Google. So it's really important to make sure it's super attractive. Basically, we want to make a clear and specific promise of what to expect in the full post. And we are not doing clickbait here. Obviously, we've all fallen victim, I'm sure, to a clickbaity headline. And it just makes you resent the website more than anything. And we are not about losing trust with our readers and future clients. So one of the easiest things to do when writing an SEO headline is something called front loading. So putting the keywords towards the start of the headline, because eye tracking studies have found that we scan links and search in search results, and we usually only see 11 characters, which is only about two words. So you're not going to be reading all the way to the end of the sentence. I know it sounds crazy, but if you think about how you actually use Google, I think you'll find it's probably accurate. So obviously the headline still needs to make sense, but you can often find ways to rearrange the order and give it a better chance of appealing to people in a page of search results. And then, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, you can have a completely different on-page headline. With that on-page headline, you can be a little bit more creative because people are going to click having already been on your website and you don't necessarily need to front load your keywords. Fun fact for you, this is how we approach news writing headlines at the ABC when we publish articles in news, only we call it a title and a teaser title. So the teaser title is the on-page thing that, you know, you really want to make it uh, attractive and you want to sort of create some intrigue. So people who are already on the ABC website will see that and want to click on the link. But the title is our SEO headline and that's what's going to explain the story a little bit more and that's what's going to come up in Google search results as well. So 
it is applicable to the media as well as marketing. So with the on-page headline, sort of, as I said, want to create a bit more intrigue. So think about what would make people click once they're already on your website and you can be a little bit more conversational because the search headline is appealing to different people, people who have probably never heard of you before. So that SEO headline is more about the information that they're going to find in the post. Will this answer their question? Is it worth their time? Right, so headline aside, let's keep moving down the blog page or keep scrolling down. So the next thing is an introduction to hook people in. This is the first paragraph, the first few sentences of your blog post. And the only job you have here is to convince people to keep reading. To optimize your blog for search, you also want to make sure that this introduction is a clarity around what the blog post is about and what people can expect from it and includes some keywords. So it's it's no small thing to write an introduction and it might be helpful if you come back and tweak it later because often I will find that I just waffle a little bit at first, <laughs> waffle away. And then if you come back and write your introduction later, you can often trim it and write it in a lot more succinct way. So when you're sort of talking about benefits and stuff as well, you don't want to save the best thing for last because the truth is if you save like the best bit of information, best statistic or whatever for last, people are probably not going to read it because if you don't hook them in with that first paragraph, they are not going to stay on the page and they're not going to read your stuff. And in fact, I was writing a feature article a few weeks ago and my editor actually pulled up one of the quotes that I had at the bottom. I had like a nice, you know, I'll put this quote at the end because it sort of rounds off the story and she pulled it up to the first section and she was like, if you put this at the end, no one's going to see it and it's a really good quote. So it's just a reminder that we need to remember that no one cares about our content as much as we do, which is a little bit heartbreaking sometimes. But the other things that you want to look for is keeping it short and succinct. So the golden rule in journalism is that your first sentence is actually 25 words or less, uh, maybe 30 if you're pushing it. And this is a really good one to try if you have never written sentences that short before for your introduction. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's really important when you're a journalist to do short, short sentences to start. Try it. You, you may be surprised. It's, it's harder than you think sometimes. Um, I will count the words in my introduction every single time. It's really crucial uh, to, to be brief there and to get people to keep reading your story. You do not want to turn them off by having a really long rambly run-on sentence that just makes them think, oh, boring. No, I'm going to go back to Google and find a, a better place. So again, might be easier to come back and finalize your headline once you've written the first draft of your post and you really know what you want to say because often it can be hidden a few paragraphs down um, if you waffle at the start like I do sometimes. So after your introduction we want to make sure that there are plenty of subheadings in your blog post to make it scannable. So just imagine we're doing a quick scan of the page and If I scroll down the page and just read the headings, would I know what the blog post is about? It's a really important part of putting together an organized, clear and concise blog post. So I like to do the introduction, the introductory sentence or a few sentences, and then 
go into the first subhead, which would be formatted as a H2, to break up the chunks of text and make it easier for people to scan. Obviously, I would love it if everyone read every single word that I wrote, but multiple eye tracking studies have showed that we all scan when we're online. And I think that if you think about how you look at websites, you will know that is true as well. Again, it's particularly important when optimizing for search because the people who are coming to your website have found you through Google. They want answers to specific pieces of information. They will scan to see if your web page will deliver on what they want and then they will probably read it if it does. So part of making that scannable is your clear, obvious subheadings. Those subheadings should encourage people to keep reading by giving them an indication of what's coming in that sort of section and the answers that they can expect to find in the following paragraph. So you could even try making your subheading a question, which you're then going to answer in the following paragraph. That's going to grab attention and sort of signals to people that you are going to answer the question. Hopefully, hopefully you are. Uh, And you should be including subheadings throughout the rest of your body copy. So Speaking of body copy, you want to make sure that those body sections are easy to read paragraphs. If I have not annoyed you enough by saying this over and over again in this SEO series, make sure they are readable. We don't want blog posts that sound too much like an essay uh, because that's boring. The body of your blog post is the space where you want to deliver the juicy and the valuable knowledge, but you want to make it easy to read. And I'm going to talk at the end of the episode about how I personally structure and plan a blog post that you might find helpful as well. But basically you want to Keep your paragraphs and your sentences short. So for me, a paragraph is probably one to three sentences at most. And yes, if you are not used to writing in the way, it will feel weird. It's not how we're taught to write at school. It's not how we're taught to write at university. But I swear, if your blog post looks like Charles Dickens' novel, I am out. So remember, people want to scan that information. They need to have shorter sentences and shorter paragraphs that they can skim until they find the information that they want. Again, break up the main sections of your post with subheadings and add bullet points where you can, again, make it more scannable and easier to read. Don't ever force your keywords in. You want to make your sentences and your paragraphs sound human. (laughs) Aim to get the keywords in or variations of them into your writing naturally. And often I find if I do have a list of keywords, and I'm writing about a subject, I will naturally add them in anyway. And also make sure that throughout the body of your post, you're linking to other relevant content on your website by hyperlinking parts of your sentences. Again, this keeps people on your site for longer, but it also shows Google that you have all this other information that people can check out and it's really, really helpful. So once you've written all those body paragraphs, you wanna finish with a conclusion and calls to action. Round things off nicely, make sure you wrap up what you've said. If the post has been like educational or like informative, you could do like a top tips or like a recap of the episode and just do bullet points of the information that you've included. But you also want to make sure that you finish with a call to action of some kind because this is where our strategy comes in. This is why we're writing the content is to market our business, not just for fun. So you could potentially ask a question designed to prompt comments. And that was the like old school back when people used to comment on blogs. Um, But 
if you are marketing for your business, obviously you could use the call to action uh, with your email list sign up, for example, or you could use it to link to a relevant service. Again, if you're mentioning something that is a service that you do within the blog post itself, link away to it within that too. But at the end, you know, you could say something like, we go into more depth in this in my course about XYZ. Click here to check out all the information. That's a pretty boring call to action, but hopefully you get my drift there. Um, you can experiment with adding buttons or doing it as a hyperlink so that people can keep exploring your blog content. Now, we may have written the blog post. It's all on the page, but we're not quite done with talking about what makes the blog post SEO friendly yet. There are a few finishing touches that we need to make behind the scenes. So we touched on this in the very first episode of this SEO series when we talked about technical SEO, but we want to make sure we have a short descriptive URL with our main keywords in it. It's a tiny piece of the SEO puzzle, but it is important and it just should be definitive and concise. Um, especially because sometimes it will also show up on Google. So you don't want one that has like dates and numbers and all this other stuff in it. Never just leave the generic one that's there. Make sure you just use a couple of words to sum up your blog post. Make sure you add that juicy meta description. If you don't fill it out, Google's going to automatically create one for you and it's not going to be as good as you summarizing what your blog post is about. Just take control of it. Make sure you're conveying the message of your blog post in a couple of sentences. And I'm going to link to a tool that will help you make sure that you're not writing meta descriptions that are too long in the episode notes. But basically, it's really quite short. Just a few sentences between 50 and 160 characters, I believe. And you want to make sure that the sentences work with only the added context of the headline because that's all we're going to see on the page in Google Again, this place where you write the meta description should be pretty obvious on most of your major website hosts. And you want to break up that body text with some images. You want to make sure though that your images have been compressed. I use TinyPNG for this, link it in the notes, and that there is alt text to describe the images to make it more accessible for people who use screen readers and help Google understand the page content. So... To recap the anatomy of our SEO blog post, your lovely juicy SEO blog post should have a headline that includes your keywords and outlines the value of your post, an introduction that's going to hook your readers in, tells them what to expect and convinces them to keep reading, subheadings to break up the body of your post, a body section with small paragraphs, plenty of white space to make it more scannable a conclusion and call to action to finish that main content, a descriptive and short URL, optimized images, and a meta description. Again, I'm going to say it again. Not every post you have to write. So I am going to say this again because I really, really want you to remember it, but not every post that you write needs to be purely for the purposes of ranking on Google. But Following this list for each of the elements in the post will make your website more reader-friendly overall to delight anyone who comes to your site. And for me, that's a win. It doesn't matter whether they found you on search, they've clicked through your Instagram, they've clicked on a link in your email, they're a friend of a friend. It doesn't matter. It's going to be much better experience for them. 
if you're listening to this and thinking, oh gosh, I've missed some of those things on old blog posts, then you can go back through and update them. In fact, that's going to be really helpful for your SEO. It's never too late to update your posts. Now, if you are thinking, I don't know how to plan any of that out. Well, let me end with how I personally like to plan my blog posts in a pretty stress-free way. Obviously, everyone has their own methods as well. And there's a little bit more to it than this, but I just want to share you share with you the over, overview and the absolute basics so you can get started after you've listened to these series. Once you feel comfortable doing this consistently, you can also look at ways to tweak and improve your posts, of course. So I cannot emphasize enough the importance of planning your blog posts. Planning it out will help you know that you're covering all the points you want to. It'll keep you on track and make sure that you can be absolutely 100% sure that you are being super clear and concise in your post. You're not rambling on at all. So I would start with a draft title that gets really clear on what you want to communicate. Know that you'll come back and change it later though. Plan out the sections of your post. So these sections are going to become your subheadings. If for example, you're answering a question like, how do I write an SEO friendly blog post? If there are three or four main points you want to make, those can become your subheadings and your section headings. So break down your overall idea into smaller chunks. Then underneath each of those section headings, you can add bullet points of the main points you want to address in your body content. And often I will find that I get way more than I think out of those. And half the post is written by the time I finish this plan. When you're doing that as well, think about what other content can I link to on my site? Make a note for yourself. And then do some dot points for the introduction and conclusion. Once you've done some keyword research as well, you could have a list of the keywords you want to incorporate as you're writing uh, and have that next to you. And then once you've got that planned out, you can draft away and you can, you'll find probably that you'll naturally incorporate some of those keywords. At this point, just write your post. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink the strategy. Don't overthink the SEO. Just write Keep your sentences and your paragraphs short. That's the key thing. Once you've finished, leave it for a bit of time before you come back to finish it off and edit. That's really important because when we, that's really important because our brains are super, super clever. And when we try to edit straight after we've written something, our brain will often just fill in the gaps. We'll miss typos. It also just isn't as clear if we've made a mistake, we're missing words, anything like that. Like you need to give your brain time to reset and look at the blog post as a fresh thing. Then you want to go through and make sure overall that the structure is clear. Are you answering the question? Is it delivering? Have you worked in some of those keywords? Are you linking back to things? You know, are there places where you could write less? Are there places where you could write a little bit more? Uh, Not an SEO tip, but from me personally, are there places where you could add in a little bit of your story, add an example from your life that will just help build trust with your readers again, but isn't necessary exactly for SEO, but bringing in some of your personality in there as well. And then you want to do a final sort of check uh, for all those typos Uh, missing words, spelling, punctuation, things like that. And you can use Grammarly or Hemingway app to help you with that. I've linked them in this episode and in other episodes in the past because I enjoy using both of them. And then you can start 
brainstorming your headlines, doing 10 to 15 headline options and using the co-schedule headline analyzer to help you choose what's going to be best. And then you can start adding it into your website provider blog template. So all of that drafting and planning should be done outside your website, mainly because if you accidentally fail to save or something like that, something goes wrong, you want to have a, a backup copy somewhere. But the other thing I find, just like with giving yourself time away after your first draft, is that once you put it into your website and you can preview it on the page, because the font and the layout will probably be slightly different, it just sort of makes it unfamiliar in your brain again. So you will often pick up a couple more little mistakes. And I find that super helpful. You can also add in your photos and all your SEO stuff that we've discussed, like your meta descriptions and your URL and everything like that. And you're good to go with your blog post. You can always update it later. You don't have to have it perfect first time round. As I keep saying in this series, starting, starting your blog, getting something published is better than not doing it at all. If you are consistently publishing okay blog posts that you're trying with your SEO and you're making them readable and you're doing all the steps that we've talked about in this episode, yes, there's probably room for improvement. But if you're doing that consistently for six months, you are going to be way ahead of the person who doesn't blog at all for their website. So don't be the person who thinks it's too hard. It doesn't have to be too hard. You can get started today. So that wraps up our final episode in the SEO series. Uh, You may be thinking, oh, thank God, she's going to stop talking about SEO now. (laughs) You might be thinking that you want some more stuff. If you have more questions on SEO, more specific questions, if you have more questions on blogging or content marketing or anything, you can ask a question to be answered on a future episode of the podcast that is linked in my show notes, of course. And the other thing that you will find in the show notes is a brand new free set of Christmas sales content prompts for you. These are designed to make your Christmas sales promo posts and emails and reels and everything super easy. So you don't have to overthink them. You can just do a mixture of these posts and get back to enjoying the mince pies and the festive films. You can find the link to that in the show notes as well. And I hope that will be very, very helpful. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Content Etc. And for this whole SEO series. I hope that it's it's made you more excited to work on your website and to write your copy and content. And if you take anything away from this whole series, is please let it be that SEO is not as complicated as you might think it is. You can do it. You as a small business owner by yourself can do it without the need for expensive tools or bro marketing tactics or heaps of coding knowledge. You can do it. Thank you so much. And I will be back in your feed next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Content Etc. If you head over to wordbywordstorytelling.com forward slash blog, you'll find a blog version of this episode. There'll be links to anything I've mentioned in this episode in the show notes on your podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by tagging me in your stories on Instagram, where I'm at word by word storytelling. And let me know what your biggest takeaway is from this episode. If you know someone who would enjoy listening to the show, please tell them about it. Word of mouth is still one of the most powerful forms of podcast recommendation. 
Make sure you're following the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it drops.